Welcome to The Corporate Coven, a podcast that explores the intersection of mysticism and the modern workplace. On this show, we discuss how to bring your spiritual craft and practice into the workplace. We'll talk to people who have found ways to include ritual and spirituality into their everyday work and hear from experts on the topics of how to stay spiritually connected while managing the demands of the modern workplace. Our host, Jessica, is a certified career counselor, HR outlaw, and vocational astrologer. If you've ever wondered how to bring your spiritual practice into the workplace, this podcast is for you. Join us as we radically transform workplaces to be a little more magical. What's up, witches, and welcome back to another episode of the Corporate Coven Podcast. I am so excited to be sharing this episode with you today. I am pleased in this episode to welcome Hope King from Synchronistic Hope to the podcast. And I'm going to read her bio. Hope introduced herself at the beginning of the recording as well. So you'll hear from her in her own words. But I wanted to share that I connected with Hope on Instagram when I was in, like I had recently moved back to the state of Utah and I was really hungry for community. And you've heard me quote this before. You find your community when your community is visible. And Hope was one of the people I found really early on in the state of Utah that was a tarot reader. She reads at a crystal shop that I love to frequent. And some of my favorite Christmas presents I've ever received, my partner bought from that crystal shop from Omnipresence. And I was so excited to get her on the podcast, to have this conversation with her. And we talked about tarot, we talked about cartomancy, oracle decks. And one thing that I really love that Hope offered is talking about really honoring the tradition that you are participating in and finding ways to do so ethically. We have a shared background of kind of having an evolution of our business and realizing moments where we were being appropriative as opposed to appreciative of cultures that we're not a part of, yet have practices that are very meaningful to us and the way that we aligned ourselves as individuals, as well as reoriented our business model. And so I'm so excited to share this episode with you. I'm going to quickly read the bio that Hope shares on her website, and then I will get you into the episode because I know it's going to be so exciting, especially for anyone who is a current tarot reader someone who is curious about tarot, and anyone who is really seeking that opportunity to have a more honoring relationship with spiritual practices. And so on her website, she writes, Spirituality to me is cultivating a connection to your most authentic self. Sometimes that is easier said than done. What is the self? How do I know I'm being authentic? How do I cultivate a connection? That is where I come in. My name is Hope King, and I am an intuitive cardomancer located in Utah Valley. I founded Synchronistic Hope in October 2020 with the goal to create a space for people to explore their inner selves. Currently, I do this through cardomancy or the study of cards to get a message from the divine. Through these messages, we're able to tap into the subconscious stories we carry within us. I think the fastest way to inner growth is through sharing stories and connecting. Learning other point of views, experiences, and dreams can help put our own into a greater perspective. 
I want to teach people how to have these conversations, not only with others, but also within yourself. To learn more about and support us, check out Instagram, Synchronistic Hope. And for those of you that are really interested and excited about this, in the show notes, I've listed links to Hope's website as well as her Instagram. And I highly recommend you check it out, especially if you are a witch in the state of Utah. She is facilitating classes on building your own herb bundles. And that's what I'm really looking forward to connecting with her in the real life and learning more from her. So without further ado, I will get you into the conversation between Hope and I, and I'm really excited for you to hear this. Uh, you'll hear this in the episode, but Hope is a full moon baby. She has a Sagittarius sun and a Gemini moon, and I heard those strengths and qualities pouring out from her in such a beautiful way, being able to be really curious and explore, but also understand the greater and more divine messaging that we receive through little things like, you know, the number of leaves on a tarot card. And so I'm super excited. I know you're going to love it. And um, I would love it if you left me feedback on this episode. You can do so in the what did you think about this episode prompt on Spotify. All right, we are recording. We are live. Hello, Hope. Welcome to the Corporate Coven podcast. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. You were one of the, well, so I don't remember how we connected, but um, I found your Instagram account and you were one of the first people in Utah that I was like, we have to talk. We have to connect. (laughs) And I had that thought a while ago. And so it feels like really exciting to finally like have this conversation with you and like have more of a back and forth than just some Instagram messages. Yep. I feel that it's definitely I feel like especially because you're located in Utah Valley too right I am yeah yeah so I feel like especially here it's definitely hard to find those good connections I feel like yeah Yeah. absolutely (laughs) well we I would have already like introduced you but do you want to introduce yourself in your own words to the podcast listeners yeah. So for those that don't know me, my name is Hope. And yes, that is on my birth certificate. Sometimes people ask. Um, and I practice, I'm a cardomancer. So if you don't know what that is, it's just using like tarot, oracle, poker cards, Letterman cards, all the different divination cards um, to really do just that, divinate and get those messages through it. Um, I'm also beginning my herbalist programs. um, So soon I'll be certified in that. Um, And then I just wanted to kind of talk about how what really drove me to tarot is because I'm very, I really love the psyche and learning about how it works um, but I also really love history and so tarot has just been that perfect little path and opening that up to herbalism has just been really inspiring so just knowing how much it's inspired me I just really want to share that and that's kind of my goal is sharing these practices that I have not just like doing them for you but really teaching you guiding you how to do it yourself at home I love that and I'm grateful that you have that perspective because that is how I found you um I grew up in Utah. I was a lot further south and then went to school in Utah Valley, stayed here for about eight years, migrated over to Colorado. And then when I came back to Utah, I kind of had a lot of anxiety coming back to the state. And a lot of that had to do with my faith transition and kind of coming back to an area where it's not as commonplace to be open about your spirituality Mm -hmm. or faith if it's not part of the dominant culture that persists here. Yep. <laughs> and so one of my like coping strategies, I remember talking to like a therapist about it actually, because I was seeking out some support 
in navigating like my feelings about coming back to the state. And they recommended like, well, go find your people, like go find your people, go find them and build that community. And so I don't remember exactly how I found your account. It might've been so I, I visit Omnipresence. It's one of yeah. my favorites. Like, Love her. Spiritual stores <laughs> here, right? And I know that yeah. you're a reader there. Yeah. So I don't know if it's because I was following Omnipresence on Instagram and I found you or if I was following like a hashtag. But I remember like finding your account and just being like, yes. Yeah. Yes, another one. <laughs> and it is hard um, to find, right? It is. It is. That's so funny. I think that we have very, I mean, you mentioned this whenever you reached out, but we do have very common like backgrounds, especially just coming from Utah. Mm -hmm. And so I really love that. that, Yeah. Like you get it. Like, I feel like, especially out of state people, they don't, they don't get it like how we get it. So it's nice whenever we can find those people that just you resonate with. Absolutely. And it is, I think that the difference for me, and I'm open to like being wrong about this. Right. But I think the difference for me is that coming from out of state, you don't have necessarily like, you might have preconceived ideas around what it's like Mm -hmm. to be here, but it's different growing up in it. And then having that transition of faith or a transition of spirituality and then trying to orient yourself. Because if you're like me, then all of our family members, like Mm -hmm. all of our friends growing up, all of our connections and coworkers, I mean, everyone's still very much rooted in that belief system. And so it's a little bit trickier to navigate exploring like your own empowered authenticity while still being respectful and mindful of like the people around you. I was curious, do you want to share a little bit about that journey? Like, yeah. How did you find your current faith or spirituality or practices? Like, How did you explore that? So I think a lot of it does root heavily in just Utah being the culture that we're in here. Um, And I think that's one area that you and I differ. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you were actually a member and then you left, right? Yes, I was. I grew up and then left around 18. Yeah, as most people do around here. But I actually did not grow up as a member. Um, So I actually have that outside view of like growing up in the culture, but not being a part of the culture. And so I think it was a little easier for me to navigate my way out of just Christianity as a whole, um, because I was able to see the difference between like I went to church every Sunday and everything, just like everyone else, but seeing how, because I didn't have a set belief system that they had, you know, they always look at you different, even if you are that good person that they're trying to be. Um, And so I think that's really where a lot of my practices come from is that through that, I learned that everybody's unique, right? Um, So what fits them is not going to fit me and what fits me is not going to fit them. And that's just kind of the way that the world works. Um, And so going through everyone is unique and really embracing that. Um, I'm a very big believer in Carl Jung's practices. I don't know if you've heard of him, um, but he's a psychologist that I just, I know he's really inspiring to me and he has a word called individuation. Um, And so coming out of that, believing I was unique, I kind of learned about that concept and I really leaned into it heavy. And so that's whenever I finally gave myself the permission to really go out and explore all the different faiths and just look at like, okay, well, maybe at first I did want to be in like a religious structure, right? So I looked at like Buddhist, I look, we have a Hare Krishna temple, right? Just down the road from us. Yeah. Um, I went there a couple of times. I really just looked into like, okay, well, maybe I still 
want to practice like Christianity? What kind of sect would that look like for me? And just going from there and giving my permission to explore with those, it kind of led me into some of these practice, um, like we're going to talk about today, like smoke cleansing or, you know, chakras, all that different things. Um, and then from there, I learned I didn't want a structured thing. And so I just kind of took what felt right and left foot in it. I think that's really the important thing is understanding I'm unique, understanding it's okay to explore. I think those were the big staples of how I just ended up where I am today. Yeah. One thing that you said that really stood out to me was like giving yourself permission. Yep. I feel like that's something that as a service provider who like deals in divination, so often, whether my clients are conscious of it or unconscious of it, that's a lot of what they're looking for yep. is, I think, especially when you do grow up in a belief system, which has really clear and rigid systems of power yep. or hierarchies of power, that it feels like you need permission from like, mm-hmm. you know, a bishop or an elder yeah. or an authority figure of some kind. And so then when you're trying to branch out of that, it is like, well, how, how do I know I'm allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah. And it really comes from that like self-empowerment, right? It really is yep. the individual giving themselves permission to do those things. Yep. And that can be so difficult for folks who, who don't, or as I would say like who weren't like raised in that naturally. Yeah. They weren't even allowed to have that most times, right? Or at least in Utah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's hard to break out of that for sure. Absolutely. Similarly, I went through, um, you know, when I was, when I was 18 and really like beginning the transition of my faith, it started with curiosity. It yep. started with just exploring of like, well, what else is there? What are other belief systems? What are other practices? Um, I'm someone who loves ritual and I'm like yep. a Capricorn stellium. Like I love, <laughs> I love the rigid, the routine yep. um, and, and stuff like that. So similarly, I was looking at other faiths or uh, like ways to worship, which had ritual or clear practices yeah. and like a, you'll know it when you see it, but then the evolution is now like, I like what I like and I don't like what I don't like. And it's hard yeah. for me to, like when people ask me now, like, well, what is your faith or what do you believe? I'm like, eh? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's always in flux. It depends on like the season of life that I'm in and, yep. and how I feel in that moment. Yeah, for sure. Always yeah. learning something new too. I think that's the beauty of it is by giving yourself permission, right? It opens up so many doors that you wouldn't have ever thought were ever there. Yeah. So yeah. And I know that um, we're going to talk a little bit about your chart later on in the episode, but I just want to like name that you have like the Sagittarius sun yep. and Gemini moon. So there is so much about like being curious, asking yep. questions, thinking outside of yourself and being willing to hold space for things which might seemingly contradict to someone else, but yes. being able to really like be like, well, this is okay for me. I'm actually yep. okay with this. Yep. I love that. <laughs> so something you posted a little bit ago on your Instagram, and I think that this was the post that I was like, we have to talk. Like I need to have a conversation with you because it resonated so deeply for me was, um, and feel free to like frame it. Cause I don't remember exactly. And I tried to go and find it and I couldn't, but you were talking about like the moment where some of your newfound spiritual practices, where you realized there was risk of cultural appropriation and yeah. Wanting to be really mindful of that. And I had my own journey with that. So I'd love to hear from you, like, what was that moment like for you? And what do you do now to try to be like ethical and respectful of those traditions? Yeah. So my business name is Synchronistic Hope. Um, and that wasn't always my name. It used to be Hope Chakra. Sorry. My oh, dogs yeah. are going crazy. I have dogs too. I get it. 
<laughs> so yeah, the name used to be Hope Chakra. And just the more that I sat with that and was thinking about it, and the more I learned about chakras, um, I think especially in America, and most of this is going to pertain to America because that's my, my yep. you know, experience. Yep. Um, and even looking just at like yoga as a whole, right? Because that's kind of where it comes from. Yoga is very just in my opinion, skewed in America. Um, it focuses very heavily on like the physical aspect of it whenever mm. really there's so much more to it. And so seeing that, seeing how the chakras tied into it, I just over time realized that that's not my journey. That's not my belief, right? Like some people do grow up as yogis and they really do practice so much more than just that physical aspect it really is who they are and so I feel like taking just bits and pieces that might resonate you that's of course fine you can do what you want to do but in the end right like that's somebody else's culture and so how you go about that in a respectful manner is my opinion where you told a line between appreciation and appropriation which yeah. it is thin but um, some of the ways that I've kind of learned to toe that line or that I try to is firstly looking at the history of whatever you're practicing, right? So chakras come from India, um, and they're all grown up in that system in America. You don't learn about those unless you go looking for them. Um, and I am not saying by any means that I don't use these practices, right? I still yeah. do use my chakras and tune into them and learn about them. Um, but it's not something that I outwardly practice. And especially with my business mindset, right? I'm not going to go and teach you about chakras because it's not my place to be teaching about. Um, kind of the same thing is like with Sage, right? Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of what I've been heavily focusing on in April is how we can use these like smoke cleanses. Um, the indigenous people call it smudging, right? How we can use smudging and transform it into our own practice that's still respectful of their culture, but also has more of ours. Um, so really looking at the history of, well, what is smudging? How did it come from the indigenous people over to kind of this American new age ideology? Um, what was it like before indigenous people, right? Because smoke cleansing has been around for hundreds of years um yeah so yeah just really looking at the history what it's been through the people it's impacted I think is another really big one right so that's specifically why I stay away from like sage specifically or yeah. palo santos those herbs that are not as old that do have such sacred significance not only in their history but also today um and then I think the third thing that I just want to talk about is like I already said, right. I practice the chakras. I do mm -hmm. sometimes use sage, um, but that's all very personal to me. And anytime I am like using sage, I do it as rare as I possibly can. Um, and then also I take into account those sacred practices that those people have and incorporate into my own. Right. So offering a gift saying, thank you for letting me use you. Um, mm. Just holding a space for that herb or that practice that I'm doing, I think is another big thing. And that doesn't mean you can't practice it. Just be, you know, respectful, look at the history, know what you're doing before you're like some guru told me to use sage. Let's go sage my house. I think yeah. that's where my biggest just, I guess anger is, is that people just will do it without the respect that I feel is required to do those practices. Absolutely. I don't know I, if that made sense. <laughs> no, it did. I actually really appreciate you making that third point because, and I actually have it. So like at my workspace, I have a little, um, I, I have like a flower of life tapestry that I lay down and I have crystals and different like figurines. Cause like my workspace is like a sacred space for yeah. me to do this work. And I have like a Palo Santo stick and I have like white sage that I did not purchase, but yeah. back in 2014, 
2014 and 2015, I was super into Instagram yoga and yeah. <laughs> like you're on like, cause I have like two different Instagram accounts. I have like my business account and then I have my personal and my personal account. If you go back before I had children, it's nothing but me doing like physical asana yeah. on Instagram. And my husband, God bless him would like <laughs> follow me around. We would fight actually a lot about this. Cause I would like just for the yoga poses, we would go on these beautiful hikes and be out in nature strictly for me to take pictures of myself doing yep. physical postures <laughs> to post them on Instagram, to try to win like free shit. And I, and I did, um, I won some things. And so now I have like chakra stones and I have a Palo yeah. Santo stick. And, you know, one of them was like a white sage bundle and stuff like that. I have used the Palo Santo stick, but the white sage bundle, I have never burned and I hold on to it, but I'm always like, what do I, what do I do with this? Like, <laughs> I appreciate you saying yeah. like, you know, um, you, it's not that you don't use them at all, but it's just like offering that thanks, recognizing that these are closed practices mm -hmm. and having that more of like, I use this for me. And this isn't something that I am like, it is, it is a fine line and it's constantly like balancing out like that appreciation versus appropriation, yep. which has not always been clear. And so this is, I mean, yep. so you're talking about Hope Chakra because when I first started my business in 2017, my branding, my original handle on Instagram was the bad girls chakra guide. <laughs> and I wanted to, I was trying to make it like more accessible of like, yeah, I love the chakra system and it's been so meaningful to me and learning about it and doing meditations around it, um, has like, you know, changed my life and my practice yeah. coming out of a faith transition and really looking to connect to something else, which was so meaningful chakras were it. Right. Yeah. And so I wanted to do things of like, did you know that drinking vodka is going to like it can be like a root chakra thing because it comes from potatoes. And I was being, yeah. I was trying, right? I'm, I'm like so embarrassed, but that's who I've I was, there. right? Yeah. Like, and so I remember like, I read that and I was like, oh girl, me too. Yeah. Me too. But then, but then you like, you learn and you do better. And for a while there, exactly. I asked myself like, do I go back and do I completely delete everything? And the other part of me was like, well, I want to own it. I want to own yeah. that. I had a moment where I didn't know better. And also share like, well, this was my, my evolution. This was yeah. how I learned and like hold myself accountable to that as well. Because when you're joining like the neo-pagan or, you know, modern spiritualist or something like that movement, yeah. it is really easy to accidentally harm yep. or to not realize the impact that you can have to these cultures and to these traditions, which are mm -hmm. sacred. It's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I think that's another thing, like allowing yourself to be wrong too, especially when you're starting out, it's okay. Cause you don't know what you don't know. And as yeah. you learn, you know, I forget the same, but as you like learn, you do better. Right. And I think that's the best thing is seeing like, cause I did, I used to use stage two. I was the same exact way, but now being like owning up that I did used to use it quite often and I still do use it but I've changed so many other things. And this is how you can pivot from that. Um, mm -hmm. I think people need to be able to see that because finding that, you know, Instagram is always the first place you see. And a lot of the stuff on there is very appropriated or just very not, I don't know, it's not personalized to you. Right. And so learning that most people do start there, but as you mm -hmm. learn, you do better. And I think it's okay to be wrong. Yeah. To give yourself that permission for the curiosity. Exactly. And to be open to that yep. feedback without, yes. I think, 
I think for me, what was so hard about it is that, and I don't even know that I had a lot of people like reaching out to me and being like, did you know that this is, it was more like, you know, I just started becoming aware of it and had more like a lot of self-criticism. Yeah. But I think just like being open to feedback without personalizing it and just recognizing that I am learning, I am growing and I'm going to evolve myself as well as like my belief system or my practices. I think similarly, it went from this is what I do for myself versus this is what I do in my business. Yeah. Right. This is how I monetize a practice as opposed to this is how I embody the practice. Yeah. Yeah. That is also a very fun line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's, it's hard to explore. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And so I loved one of the goals that you outlined for your business when I was reading on your website and your bio um, for synchronistic hope you write to create a space for people to explore their authentic selves And I feel like that resonates so much with what I'm trying to do for people as well. It really is about embodying that authenticity and coming into yourself, giving yourself permission to do that. And I love that you use the language giving space to do that, right? And so you use primarily cardomancy. And so I want to know all of the things because I'm a tarot reader as well. So (laughs) I have some like set questions, right? So, and this can sometimes be controversial. Like I know, and I have connections to other accounts who accounts who have really strong opinions on tarot versus oracle interesting do you have a preference do you have like an opinion around one or the other so of course especially under the umbrella of cardamancy there's a lot of different ones like i named earlier Mm -hmm. um tarot and oracle being the most popularized of them and so i i wouldn't say i necessarily have a favorite type um i definitely do lean towards tarot Mm -hmm. but that's mainly because i love the symbolism of the pictures of the meanings of how every little detail on that card is like there's a reason it's there down to like how many leaves you see what the number is like everything and so me being a sucker for the history and learning the symbolism within that history I definitely lean more towards tarot um but there's sometimes right tarot is a very and you hear this all the time in our community that tarot is very rude very (laughs) upfront yes so and especially like if you're a beginner, you're not going to want to start with tarot. Right. Um, so that's where I would lean more to like Oracle. So yeah, my personal favorite, I guess is tarot, but I think they all have their day to shine depending on the scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. It depends. I know for me, um, even like navigating using more like, I would say like a traditional tarot deck, Mm-hmm. um versus a pip or like a yeah. like I actually have a Leonorman deck that my partner gifted to me and it's beautiful but I like cannot use it yep it's so like it's so different <laughs> and it's so different yeah. yeah and you mentioned this earlier but you can play because like um like like a poker deck like a regular yep. playing card deck yeah it was with a group of women recently and they were talking about how when they were growing up in the dominant religion in the state where you and I live, um, they were not allowed to play with face cards and they never understood that. And I was like, well, did you know? Right. I was like, I don't know if this is why your parents gave you that restriction of not being able to play with face cards, but, um, they could be used in cardomancy. And those are some of like the original decks that people would use for divination and the face cards are kind of like, you know, a big piece of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is, that's one of my favorite thing that people don't really know, especially people that aren't like practicing spirituality or cardamancy or anything, but poker is so great, especially in Utah for people that might be in the broom closet, you know, that don't yeah. want to outwardly practice. That is a way that you can secretly do it. Or if, you know, you don't have the money to go out and get a deck or get, get one gifted. Um, and it is so interesting to me that so many people play with a poker deck, but they don't know like it is, it did start out the same way that tarot did. And it does have those same meanings and you can do the exact same thing with them. So that is, I think that's so funny. So many things are rooted back in certain beliefs that don't systems yeah. that are not practiced today. Yeah. It's fun finding those and be like, did you know? I know. Fun fact. Did Witchcraft. You know <laughs> All the time, isn't it? It's so funny. Um, yeah. So Actually, and I, I remember reading this. I had already started like reading tarot for myself and like I had a few decks and then I think it was on Pinterest. I saw something that was like, you should never buy yourself tarot decks. They should always be gifted to you. Do you have an opinion on that? I definitely know Ooh. some people are hardcore with that. Yeah. <laughs> I am not. I think, I don't know. I don't really know the understanding behind that. So maybe that's why I don't believe it. Yeah. But I also, I'm a Taurus rising. Um, and so I feel like I get a lot of influence from that. And I mm. love to buy things and have it all around me. So I totally buy my own decks. Like I can't totally. resist myself not to. If yeah. I wait around for someone to gift me a deck, I would only have one, right. <laughs> which right. is enough, but I, I'm a sucker for all of the things. Yes. So. All of the artwork. My, yes. my first deck was a gift. Yep. Um, and I had some roommates at the time that used it before I had touched it. <laughs> and that was really weird for me. Yeah. And so I actually bought myself a deck and started yeah. using that one first because I had to, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was an actual, like, I was no longer like connected to it. It had someone else's yeah. energy on it. I had to cleanse it or something like that. I don't know if it was that, or if it was just me being like pissy of like someone touched yeah. my stuff. <laughs> and now, I, now I'm mad and bitter. And I, I don't know what it was, yep. but I, my first deck was gifted, but I yeah. actually bought myself a deck really soon after and started using that one first. And then yeah. developed a relationship with the original deck that was gifted to me. Yeah. Do you have a favorite deck right now that you like to work with? So this was a very hard question because yeah. I can't, I mean, I guess I could pick one deck. I'm very hardcore on the Rider Waite Smith deck yeah. always and forever. But when it comes down to like what I would suggest for people and like whenever I'm doing certain readings, oh, there's seriously so many. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I think I have like 10 right here that I could be like, well, if you like this, here's this or this, yeah. here's this. Um, yeah. I don't know if you wanted me to go through all of them, but Rider Waite Smith is definitely my go-to. Yeah. That's one that when folks have reached out to me and said, like, I'm thinking about getting a deck, yep. my recommendation is usually to start with one of the traditional ones yep. or find one where the artwork really yes. resonates because yep. you have to understand like the vibe of the artist and yep. the intention they put into it. Yep. Yeah. So for beginners, I always recommend an Oracle deck, mm. but that's with like you said, the illustrations you really connect with, because especially when people start out reading, I think they get very caught up in 
the books that come along with all, everything or the things you can learn from other people, the classes, all that. But really, in my opinion, it works a lot with your psychology, just like the ink blot test in psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, finding those images that resonate with you, you're going to get so much better and accurate answers out of them than someone that someone gifted to you because they had it lying around or one that you just picked up because everybody's reading it, right? It's really yeah. going to be a big difference. Yeah. So when you started, did you start with just kind of like doing spreads for yourself, reading the interpretations in the book? Did you do classes initially? Like how did you start that practice? So first I, I also got my first deck gifted to me. And so, and it was a tarot deck Mm. um, and not the traditional, I mean, of course they're all usually based off of Rider Waite Smith, but it wasn't the traditional one. And so I had a very hard time reading it and kind of getting into it at first. Um, And then once I started getting more into the community, I was like, I have one of those decks. And so I tried to read it didn't work out especially with it being tarot it was just not my thing so I actually moved over to affirmation cards at first and I would just pull a card and be like hey this is the vibe for today and that of course moved over to oracle where I was actually trying to like divinate and get Mm -hmm. answers um and I think I did start out just looking at the images because I would read the words and stuff and it it's helpful but only up to a point um and once I really started diving into my practice I realized that's just not always the best way to read, um, especially if that's not something that you are like attuned to. Um, so yeah, once I started learning how to read is more whenever I started doing the like imagery work more so. Yeah. What was the transition like for you from being like a tarot enthusiast and reading for yourself to deciding like, I can do this for other people and I want to do this for other people. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big changes is just that I started being able to pick up on energies and I really just started to see what getting messages and divinating actually was like, and I was like, this is awesome. Um, I want to do it all the time. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then I really, for about the first year I was reading, I was like, I'm so new. I can't do this. All those limiting beliefs that you have. Right. And then one day Omni posted on their story, like, we're interviewing, like come get an interview. So I reached out and Trudy was so kind enough to give me a reading. Um, so during that reading, she like, of course, just sits silent and I was giving it to her. And then afterwards, she's like, you're amazing at this. And I think it was really just like that small support that she gave me that I was like, I could do this like all the time, full time. I could give it out to customers. Like I yeah. could go so much bigger with this than what I'm doing right now. So I really think it was that interview and her just giving me that little seed yeah, to really make that transition. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any like practices that you do before and after readings, either for yourself or your deck to kind of help? Cause like when you're, when you're doing a reading for yeah. someone, it really is an energetic exchange and yeah. you're absorbing a lot of what they're bringing into the reading. Yeah. And so what are some strategies that you employ to like do this professionally without getting like really burnt out. Yeah. Um, so I really love crystals. Um, I'm a crystal enthusiast. I, I like to use tourmaline. Like I like to wear tourmaline, but it, it doesn't necessarily like stop that connection or like getting in their energy, but it just kind of is like that barrier barrier so that I can allow what I want in, in, Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, using the crystals like that, using one that like kind of connects up to your guides and brings that information down. Those are one really big help. Um, 
The other thing is just being relaxed, I think is really big, um, especially if you're reading for yourself. So your emotions can play a very big part on how your psyche interprets the messages. Oh, yeah. um, so especially reading for clients, I just want to make sure that I am not being influenced by my emotions as much as possible, right? Um, but I think that's just one of the biggest things. And then not saying yes to every client. <laughs> it's probably not good business advice, um, but like your energy is yours and you have to protect it. There have been people that come in like full on tears and everything. And I just have to be like, I'm sorry. Like I can't read for you when you're in this state. I just, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, so respecting my own boundaries that I have has been a really big help. Um, and like, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done it a lot. Um, yeah. so I basically told her just like that. I was like, tar- like, you can't read tarot whenever your emotions are not at like a level space. It would just do more harm for you than going to just kind of explaining like why I'm saying no. Yeah. It's only happened that one time, but it was very weird and hard. But it's think, hard. Yeah. But standing think- in your ground. Yeah. Not- pushing your own personal boundaries, right? I think that seriously is such a big help to be able to say no and know when to say no. Yeah, no, I think that's so important, actually. I think that especially when you have the perspective of like, do no harm, yep. then really, and it's hard because like you see someone come in and they're in a really heightened emotional state. And for most- and you just want to help. Exactly. Most <laughs> people, the instinct is like, I need to help you. I need yeah. to make you feel better. And like a lot of that's because we feel, we personally feel discomfort and we're trying to actually ease our own discomfort by easing theirs. It's like, you know, this self-serving, not necessarily selfish, but we do get benefit from like easing their pain. Yeah. And so by being willing to tell them, like, I cannot help you in this capacity, it's also being comfortable sitting in your own discomfort. Yep. Which I think is the harder thing is like, this For isn't, sure. <laughs> this isn't going to feel good, but also I, I don't want to contribute and cause harm to this person. Yep. Oh my gosh. I'm really grateful that you brought that up. I think that's, I think that's a really tricky thing as a service provider to be able to say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you offer strictly in person or do you do virtual sessions as well? So since Omni is closed down for right now, Uh I just do it mostly virtual just because I don't have like a set location. Um, Or I could come like to someone's house if they feel comfortable with that. But yeah, most of them are just done virtually. Yeah. How's that? Been with your experience, I stopped offering virtual um, and strictly went to in person. But I'd love to hear from like mm-hmm. another. I haven't like talked to other tarot readers who have like <laughs> done that. So, um, what's your experience like with that? Like, do you notice a difference? Does that change like the way you go about the reading? Like, how does that work? Yeah, it definitely is different, right? I think mainly just because of the energy work that might be involved with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one like probably the biggest thing I've noticed. But to counteract that, I also, I feel very confident in my reading capabilities, whether you're in person or out of person. Um, It just is a difference. Like, I'm not going to go to a soccer game whenever all I know how to do is play basketball, right? Like they're just, they're, they both have a ball, but they're played very different ways. So I think understanding that in person is going to have its own vibe, its own processes. And then like virtually is going to be a little bit different, just like with the different cards, right? They're different, but I don't think one's better than the other. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just being confident in your reading capabilities and being confident that the cards and the messages that are going to come out are going to come out no matter what, right? You 
I kind of think of us as like an antenna. Mm -hmm. Um, And even whenever I'm reading for people, right, the messages are really coming into my antenna and out of my mouth. And I'm just saying whatever spirit or whoever you believe in wants you to hear. Um, So yeah, I just think it's just having confidence mostly yeah. that's kind of a bad answer but <laughs> I feel like that's like, the easiest way to explain it yeah or maybe like <laughs> trusting just like yeah, trusting. trust yeah yep yeah I remember yeah. so um you know being in the state that we are in I went to a mission like homecoming one time for um a relative and I remember he was standing up in front of like the congregation and before he started his speech he said I want you to listen with your heart listen to the message that's coming through don't focus too much on the words I'm using. Yep. And I remember at the time just thinking like, it's interesting to hear a return missionary say that because that's something that you might hear from someone who deals in divination Yeah, of the message that you need to hear is going to come through if you're listening for it. Yep. Right. And you can get overly analytical or overly critical and you can reject, but if you just trust that what you need to hear is going to come through and that message will be for you. Yep. And I remember just like that moment of like, what is, he, <laughs> is he a witch? Like, what is it? it was so like I said, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> I know. And so there are people, I mean, like, I know that I've been the tarot reader to break like a few people's cherries of like getting their first tarot reading or something like that. Yeah. So some of my, like some of my community and listeners of the podcast are interested and they're curious, but they're maybe not like fully into the craft or like fully into yeah. divination. So what are things that you might say to someone who's listening and they like want to go get a reading for the very first time? Mm. Like what advice would you give them or recommendations might you offer? As always, I get a lot of new people. So it's always, it's my favorite because you're so fresh, just like with the fool card, there's so many possibilities out there. So it's always so fun to break their cherries. Um, but one thing I would recommend is learning a little bit about the history of tarot, um, where it come from. And I also think, and this might be just my specific experience in Utah, as most mm-hmm. things are, um, but also learning why in most places people think it's devil worship or evil or like, yes. where did that come from? I think has been a major help with the people that I've worked with and making them realize, like, especially because I work with the right away, like this is Archangel Michael, this is the devil, but this is like resurrection and all these different very Christian themes that play through it mm-hmm. has been one help here in Utah. Um, and then also just being open. I think that's the hardest thing is that people really go into a tarot reading with such preconceived ideas that leaving those out the door and just walking in and being open is going to be such a huge help. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also very hard. <laughs> for people yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I probably would say that's the biggest thing. Just leave it out the door. Go in open, ready to hear what comes through with no judgment. Yeah. Do you find like do you ever have clients that come in and as they're kind of like setting it up of like this is what I'm hoping to learn? Do you ever have to like realign their expectations or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I always start off by telling people I'm not psychic. I'm not a medium. I very solemnly dabble in any type of energy work. Like tarot is probably the most energy type work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think a lot of people think like, I'm going to go into this reading and I'm going to get my f- future told. 
And so that's another thing, right? I can't tell you anything that's beyond the veil or whatever you want to say. I also can't tell you your future. Um, So those are the two that I see the most often, or sometimes people come to me and they'll be like, I want to talk to someone that's passed away. I'm like, I can see what the cards say, but like, I'm, I'm not a medium. I can't just sit here and tell you this is what they're saying. Right. Um, And also a lot of times people come in for just very, not necessarily shallow, but just like, I want to love reading and I want to, I want to hear that they love me back. Right. Oh yeah. Those things where they're coming in wanting to hear what they want to hear. And like we said earlier, tarot is not very nice. Um, it's going to tell you what you need to hear. So also just prefacing with that, like, I can see what comes through, but just don't be surprised about what might, what I might say. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's also helped. That is one of my favorite, I'm going to call it like maybe a stereotype or a cliche. Like you see that memed so often (laughs) of like tarot just reads you like (laughs) it comes forward, not with what you want to hear, but with like what it needs to say. Yeah. What that message is, um, which you, you mentioned this earlier, like reading for myself, there is some of the element of like, am I interpreting this the way that I want to, (laughs) or if I go back to the original interpretation of the card, what is this actually conveying to me? Yeah. And that can be, um, it's sometimes difficult to read for yourself after some time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a deck that you just find yourself like using the most right now? Um, apart from the Rider Wake, I do really like, I have to remember what they're called. These seasons of the witch oracles. I know you're not going to show this, but no, these ones. I have mine. Oh, it's like just in my line of sight. I have the exact same one, the Samhain Oracle. The Samhain one? Yes. I just yeah. received that as a gift. I love oh, it. I love it. I have, yes. they have three out right now and they have two more that I have pre-ordered because it's just, especially like practicing with the Sabbaths themselves. Yeah. It's so fun to incorporate those into like the wheel of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the imagery is so beautiful. Every deck is a little bit different, but I think that the illustrator is really amazing. Um, and then I'm also very analytical. And so sometimes images, like, I'm not going to lie. They just don't do it for me sometimes Yeah. But reading the words, especially the way that this author writes the messages on these cards. It's just is so, it just gets my gears like thinking and then I can very, I can interpret it a lot better. So yeah, yeah. I love I love this series. <laughs> yeah. I'm so pleased that you brought that up. And for those listening, I'll link the deck in the show notes so you can see it. Um, I have a friend, a fellow like HR witch, and she's a Taurus son. So I'm wondering if this is maybe yeah. like some of that Taurian coming out. But um, yeah, she was fascinated with the imagery and she has like the Samhain, the Yule, and then is it the Beltane? Beltane. The Beltane yep. deck. Yeah. And I saw it and I said, these are stunning. Like, I cannot believe how beautiful. And then she gifted me my own Samhain deck. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Beautiful. And she does such a good job. Like, I mean, so far she only really has the Beltane one, which is her like spring one. And the other two are more fall, but it's so interesting to see how she can incorporate like those darker energies and then switch over to the lighter and incorporate them both. Yeah. I, it's, and I heard that she actually received some feedback about representation in the decks and so started changing some of the artistry for more representation and diversity would make so much more sense yeah and so definitely something I've noticed with this deck is that I love 
at least her Beltane one is very, I mean, you can even see it just off of the different mm-hmm. images, right? So yeah, that, I love that. And so, and that's kind of like what we talked about earlier, right? Of like yeah. being open to that feedback, not personalizing it, but just seeing this as like, is this an opportunity to be more inclusive, yeah. to be more respectful? And so I love, yeah, I love that deck and I really appreciate yeah. the artist. And it, it is, it's beautiful. This is my thing with, um, with the tarot and the Oracle, I mean, when you really resonate with the artistry, it's going to just deepen your ability to interpret and respect the tradition. Yep. So much more. Yeah. So that being said, I know this is like a hard question, but like, do you have a card that is like your preferred card? Like you love it when you see it come up or it somehow like comes up a lot for you when you read? Um, out of these ones, I don't think so. For some reason in the tarot, the Queen of Pentacles is coming up, Mm. but that might just be because I feel like that's kind of the energy that I carry. For sure. Um, Yeah, it's so hard because so many, especially in the major arcana, there's just so many that are so good. Yeah. Um, So I guess I'll just stick with that one. (laughs) Yeah. I love the Queen of Pentacles. Yeah. Again, like I feel like that like Taurus goddess, like that strong earth vibe. Yeah. (laughs) well let's talk a little bit because on my intake form that I sent out to my podcast guests I ask all of them like what are your big three in astrology and so you shared you are a Sagittarius sun Gemini moon which makes you a full moon baby which is so fun (laughs) out in the world like incarnated in this lifetime to be seen to illuminate right to to identify the contrast that people might experience and to embody both and and then the Taurus rising do you have a favorite placement in your chart? So out of those three, I definitely, and I think I might've said it earlier, but I resonate really strongly with my Taurus rising mm-hmm. sign. Um, I'm still a very much a beginner astrologer, so I'm still learning, uh, yeah. but I definitely feel like that's just the most of what I embody, at least personally. Um, and then I also, it's not a part of the big three, but I also have my Mars is in Virgo. So I think that that paired with my Taurus rising for whatever reason, I think that they just come in clutch. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. When you put Mars and Virgo in the intake, and then when I see the work that you're doing with like the, um, the herb bundles and like the herbalism, and that's such a Virgo quality is like really honoring and respecting the earth, working in holistic, uh, medicine or healing of some capacity. And then like, yeah, that Taurus, like really being connected deeply to the earth. Yeah. And having that respect. I love that. Yep. Do you want to speak a little bit more? I don't think I put this in like the, like, these are questions that I'm going to ask you, but do you want to speak a little bit more about what you're doing with the herbalism and like with the bundles? Cause I know that you have an event coming up and I'm not yeah. able to make it. So I'm hoping that you offer more, <laughs> but like, yeah. what are you, what do you tell my, tell my listeners, what are some things that you're doing with that? So I'm definitely a very beginner herbalist. Like I'm still just in my first course, um, but it's something that I just feel so strongly about just herbal medicine in general. Um, And that's a whole nother story for another day, I'm sure. But, and so just incorporating that, I want a way to hold myself accountable more so and teach what I am learning. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely just beginner herbalism stuff. Um, but I'm really excited and passionate about it. So yeah, this month we're doing like smoke cleanses, right? Cause that pair is just so good together with the spiritual aspect of my business. And then 
the herbalism that I'm trying to also incorporate. Um, so yeah, we're starting there, but there's so much stuff I want to go over. Like I want to teach people how to make oils or, um, like body butters or, yeah. um, like salves for like scrapes and cuts and just all of these different things. So there's definitely going to be more classes in the future. Um, I'm trying to do like one herbalist class and one tarot class every month. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of seeing where it takes me, what feedback I get. But I think it's going to be really exciting. If not yeah. for everyone else, at least for me. <laughs> I I love watching it. Your reels on Instagram were even showing like how you, like you're in your home and you're like, you know, I want to say like you're smoking it and that's not the right language <laughs> to use. Um, do you say like you're cleansing it or you're smudging yeah. it? Like what language do you use yeah, for that? I try not to use smudging just right. because that is like specific to indigenous cultures that's why I call it smoke cleansing okay is because and it's not even really cleansing right like if I'm using juniper for instance that's more so just bringing a light kind of like what Palo Santos does just bring in that lightness that happiness into the air um so yeah smoke cleansing is the best verbiage that I've found for it okay and I feel like smoking goes with it, but not in. I know. It. Just- I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> I'll try to remember smoke cleansing. And so it, my instinct is to say smoking. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, that's like, that can be really polarizing if people yeah. hear it where we live. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I love watching the reels that you've been doing with that. And I'm really excited that you're offering classes and courses. And I think it's okay to just be like, Hey, this is what I'm learning, but this is how it's mm-hmm. impacting me. And so this is what I want to share yeah, in turn exactly. with other people. And especially like, I think I mentioned this in one of my previous podcast episodes, but I was talking about, you know, as we're in tourist season, this is a really good invitation to build a more honoring relationship with the natural mm-hmm. world around you. And honoring is going to include being ethical, meaning, yep. you know, where are you sourcing your herbs from? as well as like what traditions are they a part of and is this something that's appropriate for me to be doing or what alternatives might exist so that way I can have more of that respectful relationship. Yeah. I love that. I definitely, that's another thing I'm trying to do with it. It's also teach like, or at least with the smoke cleanse one, because everybody's so caught up in the sage and the Palo Santo. So really Mm. showing people like there's more herbs out there. Like there's over 15,000 or something. There's plenty of things you could incorporate. That's not sage or Palo Santos that do the exact same thing. So yeah, just finding those different things and how being respectful of their culture, but incorporating it into your own practices. Yeah. I just had this like slogan pop into my mind. And this is just another example of how like unholy I'm accidentally, like I accidentally (laughs) am sometime like the bad girls chakra guide. I just had this like slogan pop into my mind of like, put that in your bundle and smoke it. (laughs) I need to work on that. That's great. Love it. And then (laughs) another thing that I've been asking a lot of like guests on the podcast are just like, do you have like a quote that inspires you? And, um, do you want to share what you put on the intake form and a little bit about like that language or why it resonates for you? Yeah. So especially in the spiritual community, I feel like my favorite quote is going to be it is what it is. Um, and so as you're starting to learn more about spirituality and kind of the universe, I feel like we live in a very dualistic universe, right? Like you have to feel sadness to be happy and vice versa. Mm. Um, but really like the saying it is what it is, it's kind of taking away like, well, nighttime is good. And sometimes it's bad, you know, just whatever, um, taking away that kind of dualistic thing and just being like, it is what it is. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not black. It's not white. It just is what it is. And I think 
especially during my transition from like organized religion into spirituality and tapping into my own unique spirituality. Um, that's been something that's really helped me take away the blame, I guess, on exploring these other things or making the mistakes or just anything in general, just being like, it is what it is. And that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. When I first read it, I was like, oh, I'm like curious to hear your perspective on that. But I love the idea of like, you're taking away the judgment and the morality and it just it just is nothing is inherently good or evil yeah yeah and especially like going back to your past right like I didn't know not to use sage it is what it is right Um, yeah so it's definitely helped me yeah just take away that judgment for sure yeah I love that very cool hope thank you so much for um, being willing to come onto the podcast and sharing your business and your experience, your curiosity with the listeners. Is there anything that you would want to share with them as kind of like a parting, like re- either <laughs> advice, recommendations, ways to work with you? Um, so my recommendation would be to read, right? I am very big believer that even though personal reading for yourself is very hard and can get tricky, I think it's just so beneficial for everybody, um, especially as much as I hate saying this, but coming to a cardomancer, coming to a tarot reader, it gets expensive. Um, the way that we read the cards might not be the same way you read the cards. So I really encourage everybody to read for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then if you need clarification, go to a reader, come to me or whatever. Um, yeah. And then if you want to work with me, you can either go to my website, which is synchronistichope.com, or you can go on my Instagram. And then I always have the classes posted on there, pinned up to my Instagram. Um, And then, yeah, I think that's all I can think of. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. And I will link your Instagram as well as your website in the show notes for anyone to connect. And again, like, I hope that you're going to be offering more of these like bundle classes because (laughs) I just, I'm like full-time mom with my kids on April 29th. And so I got to wait till like my husband's back and can help me with that, but I'm super excited to get in and learn more from you. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Corporate Coven podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and gained valuable insights into the world of personal and professional alchemy. If you want to stay updated on the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and turn on notifications. I'd also love to connect with you on social media, and you can visit my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com to find other ways to connect and work with me. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics, so please let me know in the comments on this episode what you're interested in. Until next time, keep working your magic and casting spells of success in your career and life.